Kathy Hochul, the New York governor, you guys might remember her. Well, she's telling you not to be worried or concerned regarding that massive fine that was slapped on President Donald J. Trump. Remember that $355 million fine and then the penalty that he can't do business in New York for three years? Well, she's saying, don't worry about it. That's just a little uh, unusual circumstances, how she words it, of course. And she's saying that average businessmen and women shouldn't fear this, that in fact, this is not something that's going to be practiced in New York. And so if you're looking to bring a business here, you still should. But that's not what we're hearing. There's a lot of people who are doubtful about that, and rightfully so. Uh, Mr. Wonderful himself, businessman Kevin O'Lear, he's actually saying, don't do business in New York. Take a listen. This award, um, I mean, just leaving the whole Trump thing out of it and, and seeing what occurred here, and, and I'm, I'm no different than any other investor. I'm shocked at this. I, I can't even understand or fathom uh, the the decision at all. It, it, there's no rationale for it. And so let me give you a real-time uh, experience I'm having regarding this, and I'm not the only one. It doesn't matter what the governor says. New York was already a loser state. Like California is a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy, high taxes, uncompetitive regulation. It was already on the top of the list of being a loser state. I would never invest in New York now. And I'm not the only person saying that. And Kevin's not alone. As a former New Yorker myself, I've been here in Florida for about five years now. And everyone is trickling into the sunshine state because everyone wants to do business here. And so, of course, that's going to happen, especially when we're watching people, businessmen like President Donald J. Trump and his family get targeted by the New York governor, the New York AG, and a corrupt judge. And it doesn't end there, guys. So many other people are infuriated by what just happened in New York, especially truckers. Truckers are actually protesting. There's the threat that truckers will not be willing to deliver, make deliveries into New York City. And that's a very serious threat and one that should put a lot of fear into New York City Mayor Eric Adams and the New York governor. And so they shouldn't just be writing this off as just, eh, don't do business in New York if you don't want to. We'll still be self-sufficient. New York needs all of the money it could get, especially because they're giving so many free incentives to illegals. I want to bring in someone to discuss all of this. Let's bring in Monica Crowley. Many of you guys know her as the former Assistant Secretary of Treasury, and she is also the host of the Monica Crowley podcast, which is available on all podcast platforms. Monica, thank you for jumping on with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, it's great to be with you, Brianna. Thank you. Thank you. So the New York governor is saying, don't fear business members, businessmen, businesswomen. You guys can still conduct business in New York. We won't come after you. But is that the reality? Should people really fear bringing their business to New York State right now? Well, absolutely. And, you know, I, I really think this decision actually gave President Trump and his legal team a lot of legal ammunition because they can point to what the governor said and said, see, we told you this was selective prosecution. And so that gives him a great basis for appeal going forward, uh, certainly in the legal system, but also in the court of public opinion. Trump keeps saying, and he's exactly right, that he is being singled out through all of this lawfare as an individual, rather than on the basis of any kind of merit on any of these cases, 
which of course we know none of these cases actually have any merit. It's all political and uh, President Trump did nothing wrong. So in Governor Hochul's uh, comments there, she gave President Trump a real weapon uh, as he goes forward to, to appeal. On the business side, I can tell you, Brianna, you know, I am a New Yorker. I'm sitting here in Florida like you today, um, the Sunshine State. And, you know, honestly, when I was thinking about, um, we were talking about getting a place in Florida, this is a couple of years ago, and I was like, we need a place in a free state just to be able to flee to because it's going to get worse, not better. And here we are with a situation in New York and other blue states are in fact getting worse. We see that across the board. So if you're thinking about moving a business to New York, if you're thinking about starting a business in New York or California, Oregon, Washington State, Illinois, New Jersey, um, all of these blue states, Vermont, Massachusetts, you better think not once, not twice, not even three times, but you really, really better think through what that will mean for you, your family and your business, because the word is now out that if you think the wrong way, if you vote the wrong way, if you embrace President Trump and the America First movement, they could come after you with all legal weapons drawn and you essentially have no recourse. You know, remember, Brianna, I would just want to make this one other point. All of these things that you were seeing unfold from the lawfare against President Trump to the lawfare against Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, all the way down to the lawfare being waged against the grandmas from Indiana who just happened to be at the Capitol on January 6th. These things are all messaging events. They're messaging events. So yes, would they like Trump in prison? Of course. But absent that, if they fall short of that, number one, the process is the punishment for them. And number two, these are messaging events to you and me and your audience and my audience, which is don't even think about it, America Firsters, because if you raise your head above water, we will destroy you and your life the way we have destroyed President Trump, Steve Bannon, Peter Navarro, and the grandmas from Indiana. It's so heartbreaking, Monica, that we're even at that point in this country, but we are. And there's like there's so many things you could point to and say, this is where lawfare is being implemented and you could see it everywhere. I mean, it's just so obvious. And then they try to sit here and pretend like the law is being applied equally, but we see it in Fulton County and we know it's not being applied equally because if it was, then the Fulton County district attorney would be under investigation right now, but she still isn't, which is strange. And I think it's also important to add, and I should have said it in my introduction, but President Donald Trump, the alleged crimes that they were alleging against him, there was no victims involved in this. And so it was literally just the state attorney general's office who was going after him and trying to to make it seem like there were victims. But there was nobody who came forward and said that they were victimized by any of the allegations that they were making. And then they, you know, this is the same judge that said Mar-a-Lago is only worth $18 million. So it's clear from the very beginning that this was against him. And there's nothing that he could have done to try to win this one over. And, and we see it time and time again. But, you know, Monica, you mentioned a great word, and it's lawfare. Republicans, they just don't seem to be engaged in this at all. They seem to be just sitting out and saying, oh, well, we'll see how this all plays out. Do you think Republicans, and specifically where, or I don't know how many, but do you think Republicans should also begin starting to get involved in the lawfare process? Because right now, everyone's just kind of sitting on the sidelines watching the president and Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro all get targeted, and there's not much pushback. Yeah, you know, this is a really, really important point. So 
side, you know, for decades has allowed the left, and this is essentially a communist revolution, Brianna, okay? I mean, everybody in your audience needs to understand this. I talk about it all the time on my show as well. This is a Marxist revolution that actually began in the 1930s, ramped up through World War II, right after World War II, the long march through all of our institutions. So you have now political Marxism, economic Marxism, and cultural Marxism. So when people are wondering like, hey, where did this drag queen shows for kindergartners come? That is cultural Marxism, all right? One of the things that they grabbed a hold of pretty early on or started to infiltrate early on was the legal system, the judicial system. And for a long time, you know, starting in the 1980s, really George Soros started to pour tens of millions of dollars into these local races for mayor, for district attorney. And everybody was like, what is he doing? You know, people on our side were like, what is going on here? Why, why is he focused on that? Because we were all focused on, on our side, on the international level, what is going on in the world, and also on the national level, Washington, DC, who controls the White House. All of those things are incredibly important. But what the Marxists know is that real change starts at the ground level. So this is why Saul Alinsky was a community organizer block by block. This is why George Soros so, uh, focused on the DA's races, because Marxists know that you overthrow not top to bottom, but you overthrow from bottom up. So there, there are so many DA's across the country, not just in big cities like Atlanta, Fulton County, or Alvin Bragg in, in New York and in Chicago and elsewhere, but in mid-market and even smaller areas now, you've got district attorneys that are Soros Marxist DAs. Now, we do have some pushback and we do have some levers that we can push here, Brianna, because we do have Republican attorneys general around the country that should be pushing back and should be mirroring the lawfare. Again, we're not advocating breaking the law like the left does, but we can certainly mirror their legal tactics to push back. And our side essentially does not do that. And I don't know whether our Republican governors and attorneys general are afraid of what the New York Times and the Washington Post are going to say about them or whatever the case might be. But our side just doesn't do it. There's one well, actually two significant exceptions. One, at long last, Governor Abbott and the Attorney General in Texas, Ken Paxson, whom they tried to impeach to stop him um, on the border. They have been very good in the last couple of weeks in terms of pushing back. Um, you got some of that going on in Texas, in uh, Florida as well, excuse me. But also in the state of Missouri, um, Eric Schmidt, who was the state AG, he's now a sitting U.S. Senator, but he launched the lawfare right back against big tech and the government big tech censorship regime. But, you know, those are like three examples and thank God for them and they're doing the right thing. But where are the others? We're the other red attorneys general and governors pushing back and using the same tactics that the left does. I mean, they're, they're allowing a lot of time to go by when the country hangs by a thread. 
Yeah, and it's really upsetting, you know, speaking of Fulton County again, just mentioning that because I think that's the big one these days. You know, I've had our audience, I tried reaching out for comment from, they have two Republicans in charge over there. You've got the governor, Brian Kemp, and then you have Carr over as the attorney general. And our audience has been flooding them with phone calls and they're from Georgia and they're just asking them to open an investigation because their taxpayer money might be going towards something that's a, a bit of a scam in these days. And the response that they get from uh, Kemp is just, you know, thank you for your, for your, your reviews and we really appreciate it and the governor doesn't have any comment that he'd like to provide you with currently i mean it has been going on for weeks though there should be type some type of rebuttal or some type of potential investigation i mean we literally saw fanny willis on the stand admitting that she took cash from a campaign of hers and everyone's just kind of like pretending like that didn't happen i mean we've got the recording that should be able to launch an investigation at least but again we don't really see anything happening right now and i hope that we do. But Monica, there was something that was really important that I wanted to get to because you called it back in 2022 when you said that there, and everyone's talking about it now, so that's why I think it's relevant. When you said that Michelle Obama is likely going to replace Joe Biden in 2024, a lot of people are agreeing with you on that. I'm going to play that clip and then we're going to talk about it on the other side. I'm going to toss a grenade out here. They could run Michelle Obama Oh. And if they do, and uh, my friend Joel Gilbert has been doing a lot of research into uh, uh, Michelle's background. He's got a documentary and a book coming out in the summer on her. If they were to run Michelle Obama, um, that would put us in a very difficult position. Okay, Monica. So a lot of people are jumping on board now with the Michelle Obama 2024 type of, of thing. How do you think they're going to pull Joe Biden out if they do this? Because, you know, he, he swears he's running, although I don't see him making any campaign stops these days. So how do they kind of do the switcheroo last minute? Because that's what they'd have to do ultimately. Well, thank you for playing that clip, Rihanna, because I was really out there long before anybody else. My friend Joel Gilbert had put together this documentary called Michelle Obama 2024, and you can still go look at it. It's amazing. Uh, he takes apart Michelle and what a fraud she is. But I had just seen it and I was like, holy cow, because two years ago I saw, you know, dementia is progressive. It doesn't get any better. So I knew by this point, Joe Biden would essentially be like weekend at Bernie's and that the Democrats could not do what they did in 2020 because thanks to the pandemic, um, that they could run him from the basement and not put him out there. And I knew they weren't going to be able to pull that trick again. And so, you know, I started to think about alternatives. And when I saw Joel's film, I was like, all right, listen up, guys. And you heard the crowd when I put it out there at CPAC two years ago. I said, look, you know, it does us no good to live in fantasy land or to pretend like this might not happen or engage in wishful thinking. So don't shoot the messenger here. We've got to deal in reality and deal in the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario would be her. How would they do it? Well, as we all know, Democrats are Marxists and Marxists play by no rules. So they can change their rules however they want. If they decide to move her out, look, they're gonna to have to move out Joe and Kamala, both of whom still wanna hang on uh, by their teeth onto these positions. So Democrats have a big challenge, try to get rid of the two of them. But if they were to get rid of Kamala as well, they got a big problem because their most devoted voting constituency is black women. So the only person who squares that circle for the Democrats is Michelle. How do they do it? The mechanics of this, 
I don't know how they're going to get rid of Biden and Kamala. You know, Kamala, maybe they could pay her off or give her a lateral move, maybe the Supreme Court or something. Uh, Joe, I don't know what they're going to do with Joe, but let's assume they can get rid of the two of them. Then what they do is they can wait until the convention and the Democrats don't meet until August. They can wait until the convention. They've got a super delegates um, arrangement there. But if on the Democrat side, if their presidential candidate dies or drops out, the delegates then sort of disappear. They can all go home. They don't even have to stay through their convention. And the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, 200 unelected people then chooses the candidate. So if they were to go down this road, remove number one and number two, and they want to move Michelle in there, they just leave it to the DNC. And of course, Michelle Obama is iconic to them, right? And she's beloved by Democrats and the DNC. So they would have no problem mechanically getting her into the nomination. And here's the kicker, Brianna. The kicker here is that she would only have to campaign for 10 weeks. So she's not getting bloodied in a primary process. She doesn't have to take a lot of hard policy positions and they get ripped apart for months. So she's staggering into the general election. No, they keep her pristine. She positions herself as the reluctant candidate who really didn't want to do it, but her party and her country need her. I mean, the whole setup where she could just walk right in as a woman of color, so you can't attack her, she's immune to criticism. I'm telling you, this would be a perfect storm, which is why I originally raised the warning two years ago. Everybody is now on the Michelle bandwagon. I hope to God I am wrong. Because as I said two years ago, she would pose a very dangerous challenge to our side and to President Trump. Yeah, she's immune to criticism and she always has been. And I think a lot of American people do view her in a positive light because they've liked her so much. And, and we saw what happened in 2020 on how Democrats cleared the primary field for Joe and how this year there really was no primary. There was no there was no challengers, legitimate challengers for, for Joe to face. And so I don't really post put anything past them at this point. It's it's upsetting that we've gotten to this point as a country right now where Democrats and their voters just really don't care about that they're that they don't even have a say in their who their candidates are these days, that the candidates are selected for them. And at least on the Republican side, you know, there was a debate between DeSantis and Trump, but at least, you know, the GOP didn't do what the Democrats did when it came to the primary nominee. And I know a lot of people didn't aren't confident in Trump being able to handle it, even though polling numbers say he will he will win. But um they didn't they didn't put their foot on the scale. I think that's really important. That's the difference here. And so I am concerned because they're very confident in Joe these days. And most yeah, Americans you know, just, see him and it's weird. Just one other point, Brianna, if I could jump in on Michelle. There is a reason why the Democrats move their convention to Chicago. <laughs> I'll just leave uh, that there. I see where yep. you're going with that one. <laughs> that's a great point. I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, because it's not going to be a good one if they if they get if they throw her in last minute. I can tell you that. But hopefully, the Trump campaign's listening to you and they've got their folder ready to go because they're going to need some opposition research just ready to to go and unleash. Uh, Monica, thank you so much for joining us. I want to remind our audience again that you are the host of the Monica Crowley podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast or you're watching it, you guys, chances are her podcast is there too. So make sure you head over there and subscribe to her page. 
thank you so much, Monica. Everything we really appreciate and your insight. I hope Michelle Obama 2024 isn't real, though. <laughs> yes, I know. Hope and pray it doesn't happen. Brianna, thank you so much for having me. Great pleasure. Thank you. I can't seem to shut up about how amazing the quality of my sleep has gotten since I switched over to my pillow products. Yes, I know you probably heard of it before, but these new products that just came out, the 2.0 line, are incredible. My pillow 2.0. I'm sleeping on my pillow Giza bed sheets. I'm also using the new my pillow. And let me tell you something, guys. I am sleeping like a baby. The bed sheets are incredible. It's literally so soft and yet so thick that you feel like you're sleeping at a five-star resort. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. Now, if you're interested in getting a better night's sleep, you gotta head over to mypillow.com. Use promo code Brianna, that's B-R-E-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. If you're looking to save up to 66% off, you gotta go now before they sell out, guys. In a world where technology surrounds us, our exposure to EMR, or electromagnetic radiation, is higher than ever before. With over 400,000 cell towers and antennas in the United States alone, not to mention Wi-Fi that runs 24-7 in our home, cell phones that are carried in our pockets hours on end, and hundreds of 5G satellites in our orbit. Common complaints are ringing in the ear, sleep deprivation, heart palpitations, insomnia, and so much more. Start protecting yourself now. In Introducing Redemption Shield, your EMF protection products. With over 705 star reviews, Redemption Shield is leading the way in shielding and grounding products. Taking inflammation out of your body with grounding bed mats, grounding bed sheets, hats, scarves, Wi Fi router covers, cell phone bags. Come and see us today at redemptionshield.com and get grounded and shielded. Redemptionshield.com. Use code BREE and save 10%. And if you enjoyed that segment, make sure you hit that like button. And if you want to see the news before it becomes the news, you have to subscribe to our channel. And well, if you have a liberal friend that you're looking to save, make sure you share this content with them.